Being a Christian on a public university campus is a challenge in today's world. How can you not only survive, but thrive in that environment? Hi, I'm Esther Lowe, and you are listening to the Learn and Share podcast. In this episode, I'm talking to Israel Ramos about how to get involved in campus ministry. Hi, welcome to the podcast. We're just so happy to have you here today and talking with us about campus ministries, um, not just campuses in general, but the ministry known as campus. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about that and your involvement and why it's important to you? Yeah. Uh, so campus is, it's an acronym, mm-hmm. the Center for Adventist Ministry to Public University Students. It was launched in 1999. Mm-hmm. And my involvement, I was part of the first missionary class of, of students that was ministering to students at the University of Michigan. And so essentially the vision, the purpose of campus is threefold. Number one, we bring missionaries to the public university. Number two, we make missionaries out of the students, the Adventist students that are studying on these public universities. And then number three, we send missionaries from the public university context to the world uh, church, to the world field. And those missionaries are like missionaries in, you know, um, in countries around the world. And they're also missionaries in the form of leaders that serve the Adventist church at the local church level all the way to the general conference level. Great. So is campus a location? Yes, campus is a center. It's an actual location. Uh, we're, we're based out of East Lansing in Michigan in the United States. We started off in Ann Arbor, which is uh, the University of Michigan, which when you think about public campus ministry from an Adventist perspective, there's a lot of rich history there. Uh, Alan White talked about public campus ministry. She's referring to the University of Ann Arbor, which is the University of Michigan. There are um, several Adventist pioneers that went to universities in Michigan in Ann Arbor, including the University of Michigan. Uh, John Harvey Kellogg's brother was a student at the University of Michigan. And uh, so there's a rich history of Adventism in these universities, and that's where it's a center. That's amazing, actually, that where you started was one of the first places that Adventists are doing outreach on campuses, um, mm-hmm. public university campuses. So why is this uh, important for you personally? I was um, in unintentionally, my whole, my whole ministry career has been focused with on public campus ministry. I was 19 years old when I was uh, first a missionary at this public university in Michigan. And I went there just as a gap year. I wanted to take a year off of school. And the the appeal that was made to me was that there's mission fields all over the world that young people are going to, but the public university is a concrete jungle that needs ministry as as much as Cambodia or, you know, Mexico or China or whatever. And so I went there, I took a year off. And it never, it sucked me in. I never got out of it. I met my wife there. She was an Adventist student studying at the University of Michigan. Uh, During that year, we became friends. We got involved in ministry um, and together. And then we we got married. And when I became a pastor, I was placed in a public university context. So I saw that from the local church. And I did that for some time. And I just, I just never got out of it. And, um, it started off as a missionary year, as a gap year thing, and you know, almost twenty years later, it's it's still, it's still a missionary 
in a different perspective. That's really awesome that that's just basically shaped your whole life in, it has. in a way. Uh, and just you know, thinking a, a lot about public university campuses, you know, for myself, uh-huh. I was homeschooled. Okay. And then I went to an Adventist college. Uh-huh. And then later on, I went to a public university. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I've been in conversations with people where some people feel very strongly that you know we mm-hmm. should not be putting ourselves in the, that kind of environment where our faith yeah. will be uh, attacked. Yeah. Uh, and then others feel that you know this is where some of the best education for some fields is. Yes. How do we find balance? Um, yes. And, and stand for our mm-hmm. faith and know whether God's leading us there. Yeah. That's a. It's an excellent question. I'm glad you asked that. Uh, public campus ministry is not advertisement for the public university. Um, if you read carefully the book Education, and if you read any really, if you if you have an Adventist understanding of of education and of our church and the role of our church in these times, you realize, and I'm convinced of this. I've worked with students from some of the best universities in the in the nation, and. I've discovered more and more in my work with public campus ministry that there's nothing better than Adventist education. Adventist education is it's, it's divine in its origin, and the blueprint of Adventist education is something that God himself designed. At the core of education from an Adventist perspective, God is the center, meaning that God is the center of knowledge, God is the center of wisdom, God is the center of everything. So God is essential, necessary, in order for us to be educated. So anyone that removes God out of the equation already has a partial and a faulty education. And so from my perspective and in my understanding and in the way that uh, my wife and I talk about the education of our children, nothing is better than Adventist education. Our kids are in Adventist education. They, they attend the Greater Lansing Adventist School, which to me is one of the best uh, elementary schools in the world, and we love that. Our kids are growing in Christ and so forth, and we see that, and we they have godly teachers, and there's, there's I, you know, I could, I could spend all our time talking about how great that school is. The issue is that, in my perspective, any Harvard can never be better than the worst Adventist university that we have because our worst Adventist university is going to teach and allow and provide an environment for the teaching of God and the communion of God and man coming together, God and student coming together. And so because of that, we have an education that is superior to any other education in the world. Now, when we talk about public campus ministry, we're talking about it from a missional perspective, first of all. This is an opportunity for us to impact the world. So the public university is a place where the world is coming to us, and it's a safer place for us to engage with society. There are different countries around the world where it's not safe for us to enter. We don't know the language. There's so many barriers, and yet we put a lot of money into world missions. Well, the public university campus is world missions coming to us, and they, and then the sad reality is we have Adventist students there, and we need to impact them. We need to reach them. And so it's a missional perspective public campus ministry. We're not sending people there because the universities are better than our own. That should never be the reason, but we should send send our students there because we have something to offer the university. I like that, how you said that. We should send our students there because they have something to offer. How do you know that you have something to offer and that God is sending you there? Mm-hmm. Well, we have something to offer because we have a message 
you know, uh, we have this message in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. God has given to us a message. He's given to us in a jar of clay, in a in a in a in an undeserving vessel. And the message that we have is a message that needs to be given to the whole world. The world is coming to the public university. How do you know if God has sent you there? Well, it's very it's a very simple criteria. Um, when you read when you read the counsel that has been given to us uh, through the writings of Ellen White, she says those who have been thoroughly converted should be sent as missionaries to the universities. And so, thorough conversion is the prerequisite for entering into the public university context, and that's really the only uh, prerequisite that is given to us when it comes to. Uh, to public campus ministry. Has an individual been converted? Do they have a daily walk with Christ that they can they can live through example on the public university context? That's awesome. Now, I just want to kind of change tack a little bit here and, and first talk about, um, you know, someone at a public university doesn't have access to campus ministries, mm-hmm. um, how they might be able to start one, um, and then focus on campus itself. So going back to my first question, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm, you know, there are listeners here that might be in in Britain or or uh, New Zealand, yeah. mm-hmm. or they might even uh, be in a, a non-English speaking country. Yeah. How would they go about starting a campus ministry? Mm-hmm. Uh, campus ministry, there's several different levels. The, the most basic level of public campus ministry is my personal ministry as a student. Uh, I don't need to have a student organization to have a campus ministry. I don't need to have a center like campus does to have a campus ministry. Campus ministry begins with the individual, so I have to focus on myself. As an Adventist student on a non-Adventist university, what is my first and foremost rule? Uh, Public campus ministry from an Adventist perspective is compared to the Waldensian work. And essentially what what the mode of operation, the model is live out your life your Christian life in a way that is not ashamed, but also in a way that is not aggressively trying to um, to push religion down the throat of other people. So when Ellen White talks about public campus ministry, she says those who have been converted should go to these universities and should live out their lives. She says they should not engage in controversy. She says they should study to see what is the best way to sow seeds of truth. That should be an individual study. Okay, you said something interesting, not engage mm-hmm. in controversy. So does this mean like debate is out of the question? And what does it actually look yeah. like to live out your life? Yeah, according to according to that model, my understanding is that, yeah, our, our position is not a position of debate, but it's a, de- it's a position of exemplifying what we want to see in others. So when you look at the Waldensians, they lived in a situation that debate was not possible. They would get killed for it. And so they had to live their life. They had to, they, and she talks about people uh, um, drawing attention because of the way they lived. They were a little bit particular. They were a little bit different than everyone else. People made fun of them, but then they watched them. And they watched that when they prayed, they weren't praying to the Virgin Mary, but they were praying to God. And so it said, this aroused questions. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing what they're doing? And it did two things. Number one, it caused people to study for themselves. And number two, it caused them to ask them questions. It gave them the opportunity to speak. And so the lifestyle is the prerequisite for the proclamation of the message uh, through, through, through the word or through words, I should say. And so to live, she talks about keeping the Sabbath. They kept the Sabbath. 
keeping the Sabbath on a public university, especially outside the context of the United States, it's 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 mind blowing to people because you you can't graduate in some cases without going to school on Sabbath or without studying on Sabbath. So she talks about how the Sabbath was a strong component of ministry. They saw them worshiping on Sabbath. They saw them praying to Jesus instead of to another person. And this caused people to ask them questions, and it caused people to study. And then she said, and she continues to say, and she she gives the promise, and souls will be converted, lives will be transformed, fruit will be the pro- produced as a result of that. That's, that's a beautiful quote that you just shared. Um, so... In this process, it sounds very social. How do we kind of go in? Is this talking really about making friendships with people? Yeah. And how do we find the, uh, the, I guess, the barrier in our life between making a friendship with somebody and compromising our mm-hmm. convictions? Yeah. Well, I think that the individual, so when you look at ministry, and this is where public campus ministry gets very, very, the magnifying glass comes out. So the the element, the prerequisite for ministry on the public university campus is the individual, the conversion of the individual. If, if evangelism is an activity, then it's, it's, it simplifies in so many different ways. It simplifies the way we live because at home I can be a jerk, but then I can preach a very nice message. The public university context doesn't allow that. It, it doesn't allow for me to separate evangelism or ministry from life. Life equals evangelism, and that's the way it was with Jesus. Jesus was ministering while he was pounding nails as much as while he was healing people or preaching. And the public university context makes sure that that is the only way to be able to do it. And so you can't... You can't an individual that would be a compromising person would not be an individual that would be effective on a public university because your lifestyle is your sermon. And so um, it, it, it eliminates the possibility of, of bifurcating those, those two elements of the proclamation of the gospel and the living of the gospel in the personal life. All right, that's a lot clearer. Like really, what I'm hearing is that conversion would preclude compromise yeah. if we have that daily experience of God. Exactly. And it's a, a lifestyle not just something yeah. we kind of tack on at the end of the day because we want to feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the second level of campus ministries? The second level of campus ministry is finding other people um, that have your same convictions, getting a group started. So in some cases, it's important for me to note that in some cases, people might never reach that level. You might be the only person in your in your whole university that 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 is like you and you have to come to the realization that that is okay if that happens success is not determined by how big your group is and that's the temptation that we have many times you look at other religious groups and you see man these guys have thousands of people i'm the only one here so you have to first realize i might be the only student there and that's fine i'm going to live my life and my goal is to impact as many people as possible the next level would be the level of getting a, a student organization going or a small group going. How do you do that? It's, 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 it's extremely simple. You begin to pray. You recognize that God has placed you there for a reason. And so you begin to ask God, is this the reason? Is this a reason? Is this a reason? So I encourage students to pray before you come to the university. Pray, 
God put me in the right classes, give me the right professors, put me in the right dormitory, put me in the right apartment complex. And if, and, and because this is my prayer, I'm going to act as though you are answering this prayer. So I'm going to treat my next door neighbor like someone that you yourself has placed there for me to talk to about these things. I, I ask students to think about in their conversations that they're having with their friends, what, who are the people that are spiritually inclined? A lot of times we want to go after the atheist. I want to convert this atheist guy. That's not how, how ministry works. There are people who have spiritual inclinations who are searching and desiring to know more about God. They might declare themselves atheists. They might not. You need the, the wisdom of God to help you. And that's why you go back to that quotation. You need to study for yourself what is the best way for you in your context to minister to your student, uh, to your university group. And so I, the prayer is a, the, the component and then that God is going to answer that prayer. And so the people in your life are there because God has placed them there. And so what can I do to be a blessing to them? Real religion is not in rights, but it's in doing the greatest amount of good because of goodness sake, because of God. And so what can I do to make the lives of the people around me better so that they know that through me, God is using uh, me as a spring to bless them. And so that is the next level you get. Through that, you ask people, you look for people, you form groups through that process. People will respond, let's have a Bible study together. And I'd have a small Bible study in my apartment, you know, once a week. And that would be the next level. All right. Um, now, moving on from that, uh, when would you start thinking about maybe having a campus club or, mm -hmm. or doing something more formal? The formal things are largely determined by the university. So in a university context, depending on which university you're at, they might require five people or 10 people or 15 people. And so I look at those prerequisites and that's that would determine when I would organize formally a student organization. And that would, to a large degree, dictate what my what my way forward would be there. All right. Yeah. And you know what I like about what we've just kind of talked about is I think we often do think of campus ministries as the formal organization yeah. rather than the individual. Mm -hmm. um, but coming back to campus itself, mm -hmm. could you tell us more about what campus is and does and how someone could potentially get involved with that? Yeah. So our goal with campus is mission mission work. We want missionaries on the university. It's also a resource center. We do a lot of uh, experiment experimenting. Um, we have, God has really blessed us over the years. We have almost 20 years of ministry um, on public universities. We, by God's grace, the product of campus has been significant. It's, it's, it's been a blessing to the church. Many people have gone through campus who now serve the church in many different um, ways that, that are a blessing to the church. So we have a lot of resources that are available. Um, the goal is at the end of the day to find ways to successfully integrate ministry and evangelism into the public university context, specifically to make Seventh-day Adventists on campus. Seventh-day Adventist leadership is what we're focusing on. And so that's what, that's what the goal of campus, of campus is, the Center for Adventist Ministry of Public University Students. We have many different centers on the universities, and we want to be an Adventist presence, and so that's what we do. Um, the campus program offers, we have several different elements of the missionary training program. The most popular, the most common one is the internship. Students take a year off from school. 
they come, they take classes in the morning, and then the afternoons and evenings they're engaged on the campus, and then they do uh, weekly small group Bible studies, personal Bible studies, and then we also have retreats that we use as our evangelistic meetings. One of those retreats is the GYC conference. We bring our friends to GYC. I think probably this year we have maybe 30, 40 students who are coming. Some of them are not even part of our Seventh-day Adventist denomination, but they get access to the way we live and they get access to what we believe. And we found in many, many cases, a lot of them are drawn to our message and become Seventh-day Adventists as a result of that. Nice. So kind of talking, we've touched on a whole lot of different aspects of campus ministry. And you know, this is an area that I'm quite passionate about, mm-hmm. um, being involved in campus ministries myself in different countries. Um, what about stories? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's so many stories that come to mind uh, of people that have been impacted by campus ministries. Could you share uh, a story of somebody who was impacted by being part of campus uh, and then someone who was impacted by campus's ministry? Yeah. Well, let me start by talking about someone who has been impacted by campus, by a public campus ministry. If you, if you probably go to any church, any local church, and you ask them how many of you have attended a public university or know someone personally that has attended a public university, I would guess that more than 70, 80% of the people would raise their hand. And the significant thing about this is that a lot of our lay leaders at the local churches have gone through the public university context. And those that have an experience with a successful public campus ministry will become some of the most solid Seventh-day Adventists that we know. Just last week, just last week at my house, the day after Christmas, we, um, we had a group of friends that came over. One of the people that was at my house uh, having dinner with us was a gentleman by the name of Andy. When I first met Andy, I was a pastor in the Upper Peninsula, Michigan Tech University. He, this gentleman comes from Cuba. And when he came to the United States to study, he had absolutely zero understanding of religion just religion. In our first Bible study together, he wanted to meet Moses. And I was like, it's going to be difficult for me to show you Moses. I actually (laughs) said Moses is dead, which he's not. But, um, you know, I was like, you're not going to, you know, because he saw the Prince of Egypt and he wanted to meet Moses, you know, and then he wanted to meet Alan White. He's like, hey, this this book that you've given me, I love it. When can I meet the author? You're not going to be able to meet the author. A bit bit difficult for that one. Yeah, it's going to be challenging. And so, um, what the, over the process of time, what had happened in that situation is that Andy was um, he was dating one of our Adventist students, and and this created a challenge in their relationship. You know, uh, she didn't know what to do. She was Seventh Day Adventist. She loved this guy. Uh, he was an Adventist. From a pastor's perspective, I was placing a very challenging perspective because um, obviously I'm not someone that supports you know, people that are not of the same religion getting together. But this is what we had to work with. This is what we were uh, dealing with at that time. Andy thankfully agreed to have Bible studies with us. I don't even know why. Um, Through the process of time, we began to study the Bible. We began to study the Bible. And I just saw more and more how he began to fall in love with the Word and with the God of the Word. So much so that when we were studying the prophecies of Daniel Revelation, and he would do the math in his head, and he was like, wait, what, what in the world happened in, in 1844? 
And I was like, we're not even there. We haven't even determined that yet. And he was just, he's very, he was a very bright person. End of the day, he became a Seventh-day Adventist. He gave his life to God. He became a Seventh-day Adventist, went from being an atheist to being a Seventh-day Adventist. Now he lives in Illinois, local leader in his church. He has three beautiful children. He's mar- he married this young lady. Um, he has three b- beautiful children. And he's a leader in his local church, Seventh-day Adventist leader in his local church. In the same, in, in the same uh, reunion at our house, we had another gentleman by the name of Kevin. Kevin was an Adventist student at Michigan Tech University. And I, I never saw the guy at church. He never came. I'm like, where's Kevin? He's an Adventist. He never comes to church. And over the process of time, the student group, a small student group, this girl, her name's Elena. She went to Michigan Tech just to start a campus ministry. That's why she went to school. And she got a small group of students together. She found Kevin. She, she brought Kevin to church, just forced the guy to come to church. Kevin re-found Christ on the public university. After he graduated, his mom came to me and she said, I want a public campus ministry save my son's life. Kevin now lives in uh, South Dakota. He's the chair of his local school board. And he's a solid Seventh-day Adventist. I mean, as a pastor, you'd love to have this guy in your local church. Just he's passionate about reaching young people. And there's hundreds of stories of people that have never been Adventists that became Adventists, Adventists that were Adventists that became Adventists. So many stories, but public campus ministry, something happens. When you go through that university and your faith is challenged, if you come out of Seventh-day Adventist, you will come out one of the strongest leaders in the Adventist church. And that's what I love about public campus ministry. I love that too. And I, there is, as you said, there is this strange thing that happens. It's almost like a, a refining fire where you have to yeah. find answers for objections mm-hmm. and answers for your own questions that yeah. you have. Uh, in closing, if there's someone here that's listening to this interview and is just wow, you know, like, I really feel called to do mm-hmm. this. Uh, maybe they're a senior in high school and they're just kind of looking at their options. What advice would you give them and what kind of things should they be praying about? If you're a student that's going to be attending a public university and you're a senior in high school, I'd encourage you to take a gap year. Take a gap year. Take some time off. I'd encourage you to come to the Campus Missionary Training Program because it will help equip and mature you to be prepared to enter into this field that is going to challenge your faith and it will help you not not only just to survive but to thrive and to help other people thrive because of your ministry Um, if you have a long-term interest in public campus ministry i'd also encourage you to come to the program you have a lot of opportunities to be able to work with other like-minded passionate young people i believe we have some of the best in our church um, who are extremely talented and who love the Lord Jesus Christ with all their heart, and they're doing great things on a daily basis. And you can do that by going to the website, campushope.com. That was campushope.com. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for sharing Thank you with for us. this time. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe and share this episode with your friends. To learn more, check us out at learnandsharepodcast.com.